This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Oh, Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Wednesday, we're going to talk more about the aftermath from USC's 46-45 collapse against the Tulane Green Wave in the 87th Cotton Bowl Classic. Uh, we're going to talk about that with the coach, Harvey Hyde, get a coach's perspective on what went right, mostly what went wrong, and uh, what can be done to improve this team going into 2023 and beyond. If you have any questions or comments for the show, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com's email address, or you can call or text us at 424-254-9141. And if you have the Apple Podcasting app on your phone and want to leave us a five-star rating and review, that would be awesome. Helps to grow the show. And if you're listening on Spotify or any of the other podcasting platforms, thanks for that. And you can uh, leave us a rating there, too, if they allow it on those different platforms. But let's bring in the coach, Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. Coach, how you doing, sir? Ryan, I'm doing good. And uh, first of all, I want to say Happy New Year to everyone out there, and I hope you have a great 2023. Hope everyone does, and uh, it's safe, and you stay well, and the whole package that goes along with it. We're, you know, uh, uh, there's things, I guess, more important than football, and I'm going to wish that upon you all out there that you you're healthy and your family's well and all of that. And Ryan, I know we have to talk about USC, and that's why we're doing this podcast. And I want everyone to know out there that everything I say today or tonight, whenever you're listening, is uh, just my opinion. And uh, I think we all have them. You can agree or disagree. But one thing I do do, Ryan, and as you know, I try to be honest as the coach looks at it and what I saw. And if they didn't see what I saw, then they didn't go to the same game, okay? I agree with the coach. I'm going to give my opinion as well. We had uh, Shotgun Spratling on the podcast yesterday, and we wanted to get you on today to kind of talk about this game, some of the aftermath. But before we jump into that, we do have a little bit of uh, uh, breaking news. Just, you know, with nothing that was unexpected, but uh, USC cornerback, the transfer from Colorado, Makai Blackman, who forced that fumble and was one of the better defenders, if not the best defender for USC, you know, maybe outside of Tuli Tuipilotu all year, uh, along with Tuli Tuipilotu, both of those guys have declared uh, and they will go into the NFL draft. So no no shocker there, coach, but uh, two of USC's best uh, defensive players are, won't be back next year. And that's disappointing. And Ryan, I really believe that if they'd have won that football game, 
and played decently, those players would have both been back. Wow. I feel that they've, I really feel that uh, they feel I don't want any more of it. The criticism that's gone on and we can't stop anybody and everybody's talking about the defense and I don't know if we're going to get any better or if I can improve myself with what I'm doing. So uh, when we get into it, we can talk about all of that, but they probably feel uh, my stock is pretty high. I don't want to gamble on it. I don't want to take a chance of getting hurt. I really feel that we're not going to win the national championship here, and uh, I'm going to move on. And I think it's going to hurt them not only in that, but the portal, and I think it's going to hurt them in recruiting. Wow. All right. So that's coming uh... – uh, I mean, coming right out there, <laughs> coach. That's I, both those guys. I think would be fairly high draft picks, uh, and so I don't, you know, I, I don't. You wouldn't begrudge them for leaving at this point, but that's an interesting take that you think that if USC won that game, uh, they would have stuck around. And it's there, you know, uh, with the with the way the defense fell apart, I guess you could say. Uh, later in the season, probably, let's let's start off there. Um, most of the questions we're getting are about defensive coordinator Alex Grinch and the defense. We'll get to the questions later. Some of them might just end up being we're reading the comments because they're kind of a rant or whatever. But if you look overall, you know the way this defense finished the season, it was bad. Um, just giving up even you know wins against like UCLA when you're you're giving up forty something points. Look at any of the stats, the advanced stats, the you know yards per play, um, points per drive, things like that that are more like kind of the newer or whatever stats that people pay attention to. Um, USC is in the hundreds in the, on defense on all of them. Like there's just no no way. I mean, to see a quarterback complete eight passes at nearly thirty yards of completion is insane. Uh, to have a team in Tulane. Average over 10 yards a play. Every time they ran a play, it was a first down. <laughs> I mean, those numbers are just god-awful. So let's let's start off there, Coach. I want it from a coaching perspective. wanted to get your, you know, looking through the coach's viewpoint. Uh, what did you see from this defense? What went wrong? And uh, just kind of get your thoughts because this is what most of the USC fans are concerned about right now. We'll get to the other aspects too, but defensively, I think we have to start there. Well, I think the best uh, defense that USC had was its offense, just keep them on the field and keep the defense off the field. I don't think I've seen a poorer performance as far as when people talk about how hard they worked and where, where we've got it down and we're going to get it going. I mean, don't talk about it. Show me. And uh, during the first half when I was watching that game, I don't know if a defensive lineman made a tackle. And when I watch the linebackers, if you look at the final Stats, I think the linebackers between Gentry and Lee had a total of three or four tackles. Linebackers? Three or four tackles the entire game? Are you kidding me? That's absolutely ridiculous. All the second day was on the line of scrimmage making tackles. That's why they're getting 10 yards of carry or averaging that because nobody's stopping anybody on the line of scrimmage. They got whipped up there. They were playing terrible. They missed tackles. Uh, to me, it didn't even look like they gave an effort. Uh, just uh, wrong angles, not filling the holes, not wrapping up. I don't know if I saw a real solid hit the whole evening. Uh, they, the only way they stop people really basically this year is by turnovers. And believe me, turnovers are very important when you play defense. But if they, they hadn't got that fumble, Tulane was on their way for another touchdown. 
They just didn't have enough turnovers in this game and enough turnovers in the game before Utah to win the football game. When you when you score 45 points, normally you figure you're going to win a football game, okay? Or if you score in the 40s, you're going to win some football games. Well, they didn't even slow down teams. I mean, it was absolutely embarrassing. Let me put it to you that way. I tell you, if I had a USC sweatshirt on today, I'd be embarrassed worried around uh, the way they performed. And I'm not talking about just the kids. I'm talking about everybody, the coaches, the players, everybody involved in that performance. It was not a good performance. It made me to, I don't think offense had a good game. Yeah, they scored a lot of points. But when you call two plays on the one-yard line and repeat it, running the same play down there and get smashed off the line of scrimmage the first play with guys just getting driven into the backfield, then come back and get a safety the second play, say, what are you thinking about? What do you call that play? You're four yards deep in the backfield, and you're handing the ball off down there when they're coming across the line of scrimmage? What are you thinking about? You win by the pass. That's basically what you do. So you need to throw a slant or an out or something to give you some working room. So, you know, and then when I watch the special teams, here's a guy, Williams, that's in there feeling the ball. It's going to roll out of bounds. They're not really fair catching it properly. And how many times did he return kickoffs during the year? Does he substitute himself and goes in the game? Who puts him in the game? Who puts a kid in that hasn't done it the whole year? What about the special teams? I mean, all of that is part of USC football. And everybody's jumping all over Alex Grinch, the coach, the defensive coordinator. Hey, that's not his defense. That's Lincoln Riley's defense. Everybody keeps pointing the finger at him. Well, hey, point the finger at the head coach. He's the one that hired him. He's the one that's in charge of him. He's the one, does he know really what's going on in the defensive line of uh, defensive part of the football? Or is he so involved with the offense during the game that he can't really function and do the defense or the special teams? So, you know, I'm just giving you the picture of a coach saying, hey, he's a great coach, but he got a great quarterback too. How many of the plays that are called out there do you think are called plays that Caleb Williams completes. I mean, when you run to the right, run to the left, throw the ball between three guys to Rice on the sideline with a tremendous catch. You think that was a call play? What a call play. That was a play that Caleb Williams made happen with great athletes. So, you know, you got to look at the whole picture of what's really going on here. And I'll tell you, the Utah game and on top of the Utah game with this game against Tulane, Tulane's a great football team with a lot of pride, okay? They had nothing to lose in playing this football game, but USC should have known that. I don't think they were ready to play defensively. I don't think they were prepared defensively to play. When you look at the matchups they put on that, Williams covering that receiver on that slant route, what kind of matchup is that with no safety? No one, I mean, ridiculous. Two plays, they score a touchdown. I mean, when you look at this, you can tell I'm angry. But if I was sitting in my staff meeting right now and you were one of my assistant coaches and I'm the head football coach, you better get yourself together or you better call a broker. (laughs) Because I'm going to tell you right now, you know, and I've made that statement before. Because I pay you guys big money to coach football players and get great football players. And I've told you all along on this podcast, 
Great coaches are great coaches unless they have great players. And when you have great players, now you become a pretty good coach, and so does the players. So, you know, players want to go to a school where they can play on Sunday, and that's why they're so attracted to the offensive side of the football. But again, on the defensive side of the football, I, I'm embarrassed for the kids. I'm, in, I'm embarrassed for the whole football program in itself. But those poor kids have got to read every article I've read and listening to me talk at the same time as on the kids as far as what's wrong with the defense, what's wrong with the defense. Well, yes, it's the coach, but what's wrong with the defense? It's more than that if you can't see what's going on. So, you know, I think they had a great year, 11-3, and three, but uh, it's disappointing to the Trojan football fan. And there are just a few points away from going to the playoffs when you think about this. A few points away from going to the playoffs. It just all caught up with it when they didn't get the turnovers at the end of the year. Um, yeah, I mean, it is crazy that the, this team could have been a playoff team. Just and Lincoln Riley talked about that after the, you know, how close they were, um, you know, to doing that. But you know, it, the way the defense played, you'd mentioned that uh, as, as far as like stopping someone. I mean, the, I thought when you watch, we'll talk about USC's offense a little bit. USC's offense, you know, went crazy, right? Had a lot of yards, all that stuff. Um, but I felt like Tulane tackled well, and they made it hard on USC's offense. That first drive, 17 plays, over nine minutes, taken off the clock. USC executed on third down or fourth down if they needed to. They ground out the, that drive, and that was great. But, they, you know, they scored a touchdown. But Tulane didn't – it wasn't easy, um, Tulane put up some resistance, even though in the end they weren't going to be able to stop Caleb Williams. But it just didn't seem like there was any resistance whatsoever, Coach. It was like routes on air when you can – it wasn't like where USC took away Notre Dame's run game and then you know the quarterback, Drew Pine, goes crazy or they, they stop Cal from running and – you know, Cal throws all over the place. Jack Plummer goes for 400 yards. This was, you knew coming in that Tulane had Tajay Spears, who was great. Well, he gets 17 carries for 205 yards, four touchdowns. You didn't stop him. You know, you know, Michael Pratt is, uh, you know, he can run. Um, he was a team's second leading rusher. Uh, he, he goes, I think he had 11 like runs for over a hundred yards uh, he gained 103 yards. You take out the sacks that he was sacked four times. Um, he has a lot of success there. Oh, and by the way, he throws for 234 yards, two touchdowns, including an 87-yarder, and he has almost 30 yards of completion. It just there wasn't any resistance. It was it wasn't just that you were giving up points. It wasn't even close. Like you you mentioned, that they relied on a stop. Um, you know, you get that 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 one turnover, and that's about it. It just. I, I don't know if I've seen a defense do just – it wasn't even slowing things down. It, it was like no one was even there. No, it, it actually looked like they had quit on defense, but I know that team won't quit because the defense has played hard all year. But when when you're getting out manned or something, you got to do some changes on defense. you got to do some changes and get after you. Say, we can't stop them. So let's do something different. And so you start blitzing every single down. They see F, so he doesn't have that look, and you try to stop the play before it starts. Yeah, 
He might hit some slants and do some things, but he's hitting them anyway. But they went after him one time and got a sack, but they still got the first down there towards the end of the game. But you got to mix things up. And when they lined up on the last drive, and I saw the alignment of their defense, I said, oh, my God. There was no way the center was completely open. The tackles or defensive ends were almost outside of the tackles. There were the linebackers are off to, off about 10 yards, 15 yards. I mean, the quarterback dropped back to pass, and it wasn't there. They're bull rushing. Your nose guard is bull rushing. He can't get off the tackle or off the center. And, and he just runs right up the field. The guy makes two runs. I think they were fourth in something and fourth in something else. And I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, the way they tackled, the way they were lining up even in playing. It just... I can't figure out what was going on. Me, I'd have told the defensive coordinator, you blitz every single play, you go after him every single play, because either, well, you're either, either going to stop him before they get started, you're not going to stop him anyway. Maybe we can get enough long yardage situations where we might come up with something. And that's what I'd have done, but they just sat there and they didn't do anything. Yeah, They didn't try any of that. I mean, what could you do worse than what you're doing? <laughs> go after him. You know what I mean? Go after him. Send everybody. Right. And, and try like, to make something happen. Blitzes are fun, right? And but there's risks because you leave you could leave oh, somebody yeah, sure one on do. one. And but when you're just giving up huge plays anyway, yeah. What there is no more risk. Like just No. Yeah, I think you're exactly right, coach. Yeah, you go after him and yeah, they might get a play or so, but that guy knows he's not gonna stand there and just look around and, you know, do this and do that. He says they're coming after me, and they're going to smack me. And I'm going to tell you, I'd come from every angle, everywhere. Yeah. It's funny, you were talking about the ideas. There's a funny Simpsons episode. Ned Flanders, like, going back to his childhood, and his parents were, like, these beatniks, and uh, they didn't want to do discipline on him. And they, they, they went to, like, a counselor because Ned, the, the baby Ned, the, the toddler Ned or whatever, was acting up. And they're like, yeah, man. We've tried nothing, and we're all out of ideas. So it's kind of like a similar thing. Like, what are you doing differently? Because you have to do something different. And even giving up points at the end of the game, Coach, we saw this uh, in the Utah game where Lincoln Riley could have taken timeouts to save time, just assume that right. the defense wasn't going to get the stop. Same thing here. It's just like, you know you're going to give up a touchdown. Just give it up faster so Caleb Williams has the ball in his hand with some time left. When – when he has the ball in his hand with time left, he'll win, you know? And the the two of the losses were, you know, three lot one losses where he got hurt, the other two where the other team was down the whole game and then scores in the last, you know, within a minute. This is within 10 seconds. And you don't give Caleb Williams time to do it. So if the defense is going to give up points, at least do it faster in those situations because it, it wasn't like in the middle when they needed to score quickly – Tulane scored quickly, but then in the end, when they wanted to score and take all the time off the clock, they did that too. It was like you could do whatever you wanted, not just whatever you wanted, but however you wanted to do it. You're exactly right. And in fact, uh, when they kicked the field goal, I said, don't kick the field goal, go for it. Because three points isn't going to make a difference in this game. Your defense isn't going to stop them anyway. When it was four minutes to go to the game, and the game was 45-30, did you have any confidence they were going to win that game? Not me. It's hard to watch that football team play. It's hard. It's not fun because you're cheering for them. It's not fun 
because you know something's going to happen that's negative. Any other team that's up 45-30 with four minutes to go in the game, all they need to do is stop them one time or make a first down, and it's over. They couldn't do that. Could not do that. And their USC from the Pac-12 playing American Conference team, Tulane. And nothing against Tulane. Congratulations to a man. But I would think that if you're big time and you're going to play big time football and get it done, you ought to be able to answer the bell and take care of business. Don't tell me about it. Show me. And I'm tired of certain people telling me about it. Yeah, there was a lot of talk. I don't, you know, one of the things about the games like this is motivation. Um, well, you missed on the playoffs, and we've seen blue blood programs go to a bowl that they didn't necessarily want to go to. Um, I just being their coach and talking to all the players and stuff and seeing what way they play, I don't feel like motivation was an issue. Um, I feel like they wanted to, to win. I feel like it mattered. Like this wasn't a, I don't think they overlooked this game and oh. we're going to get into the offense in a second. And obviously Caleb Williams put it all out there injury or not. Um, and I thought there was effort on the defensive side, but they just weren't, no one was in the right spot. They weren't doing anything correctly. And, they just couldn't get a stop. But I, I didn't feel like effort was the problem or motivation was the problem, if that makes sense. No, it did. I told you a moment ago that I thought they played hard the whole year, the defensive side of the football. But it's um, all the things we've talked about for the last several weeks. Uh, they're undermanned. Uh, when you're undermanned, you have to do certain things on the defensive side of the ball to try to equalize things by doing a lot of blitzing and taking chances because you know you can't play them straight up in a base. I mean, I, I watch some of these players play against the base defense, and I'm, I'm really embarrassed for them as far as the way they tackled. And if you go back, I watched the game again last night. I mean, my goodness, I just can't believe the way the linebackers tackled and stepped up in the hole and missed tackles and playing off so far when they run out. I mean, I just don't understand it. I just don't. And the non-use of the tight end in any type of routes in the middle of the field or they threw one drag route or crossing routes it was completed uh, I mean you know and I mean and I feel this too I feel if Caleb Williams would have been 100% when he ran a couple of those keeps or when he was running when he slid or ran out of bounds he would have made the play because he would have cut back like he did against other teams and he knew what he had to do. He knew what that first line, uh, first down line was, okay? He didn't do that because he was concerned about his hamstring, which I don't blame him a bit. And I'd have probably done the same thing he did to be able to finish the game. But, you know, he was uh, he was cautious a little bit, but he wasn't his fault. I'm going to tell you that. wasn't his fault. Because without him, just imagine, without Caleb Williams at quarterback, what offense do you have? I mean, really, he makes it happen. Now, I'm going to tell you another thing. Washington is one of the most improved players on that field, and so is Rice from the beginning of the year. Really played well. Let me ask you this question. Did they really miss Jordan Addison? Yeah, not really, no. Oh, did they really? No, no, I said they didn't. No, okay, that's what I'm – so is it the skill positions and so on? No, it's – they've got certain people – that they have, and then the offensive line, I don't know how closely you looked at the offensive line 
and how they got away with some holding. And in fact, they even substituted one of the tackles for holding uh, because he couldn't block the guy. And then they put Haskins in over on the left side. Then he got injured. Yeah, you know, and the way they get off the football, I mean, really, they didn't have a great game. They got beat to the punch in the interior of the line. If you go back and watch those two plays on the one-yard line when it meant everything, everything, they didn't have a clue where they were going. And again, of course, as far as getting penetration, but as far as the play itself, to call that play in that position, I say, twice in a row? What are you thinking about? I mean, you know, I just want someone to explain it to me. That's all. Yeah. Well, let's let's go over to the offensive side of the ball because Caleb Williams, you know, maybe wasn't 100%, but has, a you know, an absolutely monster game. 37 of 52, 462 yards, five touchdowns, uh, one interception. It was a bad, you know, give him a, give him a bad one every once in a while. Uh, he had several drops. He could have easily been over... 500 yards um you know mario williams dropped the big one uh there was you know i i feel like this was uh, a masterful game from caleb williams you just don't want to see efforts like that wasted uh, he was certainly upset and emotional after the game i got to talk to him for a little while uh you know in the locker room and you know he was visibly uh emotional and one of the things coach um, and I, I don't put blame, you know, like if you want to talk about play calling at the one or whatever, like I think the offense did plenty. And if you're going to have a bad drive or a pick or something one time, that's fine. Like, I, I mean, you're not going to be perfect. These are kids, but I, I, I'm not putting blame on the offense at all. Like if you want to talk about any of that, like they, they did no, I'm more calling play calling there. That's play calling. Yeah. They did more than what you could expect from, from an offense. This is a pretty good defense that, you know, it's a you know, top 20 defense or whatever for Tulane and all that. And they beat Kansas state, the big 12 champs and everything. But Caleb Williams, one of the things I got really impressed with is, yeah, he wasn't taken off and running. He could have run. And I, I asked him about after the game, he said, yeah, he could have run on that interception. It was just a bad decision, but he was still escaping the pocket. And I love and One of the things he does that I don't see a lot of quarterbacks do is when you make like a spin and you're you you get forced back to your left. So he's going to his offhand, running towards the sideline to the left. We've seen so many quarterbacks just throw the ball out of bounds, which is fine. Like you're just you got to you got away from the rush and you throw it away, live for another day, or try to be a hero and throw it back in the middle of the field and it's picked off or batted up in the air. He gets out of the pocket, rolls left. And then, like, knows where the sideline is and is still looking downfield, doesn't rush it, and plants, and then, you know, gets a solid base and then throws a ball down the field, down the left sideline. He just seems to do that multiple times. And it's the escapability and then sort of, like, resetting and, like, like establishing almost like a new pocket quickly and then throwing the ball from there instead of making, like, a, a poor choice on the run. The, the interception was one, but... Outside of that, I think when he got out of there, he just seemed to do that very well. Uh, but just you know, another really impressive performance by Caleb Williams. Oh, you know, you heard me say that. You heard me a while ago tell you, what offense do you have without him? You think that was a play that was called? That play was unbelievable. He threw that ball to Rice between three guys. Unbelievable. 
And uh, he had a great game. Whenever you do what he did, five touchdown passes and all this and that. In fact, the best offensive drive of the, e- of the evening was the first drive that took 17 plays, like I said earlier, that kept the defense off the field. So you hope that they go in and stop him and do that same type of thing and do it the entire game. But it didn't happen that way. And, and we're talking in, in a very harsh manner because I think we're all disappointed. I know the team's very disappointed. And I know that Caleb Williams is very disappointed yeah, because these kids work so hard to, to win football games. And and uh, what can they do? I mean, there was, they, they, Caleb just stood there helplessly. I mean, uh, what can he do? He can't do any more than what he's done. I thought the receivers played well. And as you mentioned, basically the offense did enough to win the game. Look at the time of possession. Look at the total yardage. Look at the first downs. Look at all of that, and it's doubled, double of what uh, Tulane had, but it still wasn't enough. Yeah. Well, we got a lot of questions to get to, so we'll talk more about the game. Let's just take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, start answering questions. A lot of defensive stuff. We don't have to go in too deeply um, for any of that. You know, because we, you know, we'll, we've done a bunch, but we want to get people's thoughts on it. There are a lot of people are upset, Coach. So, back in a minute, and we'll j- jump in some questions. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. we got the Coach Harvey Hyde, our buddy Sergeant Strong, wrote in. Honestly, this has got to be the worst defensive performance next to the Pac-12 championship that I've ever seen. Uh, in the Army Infantry, we have a squad leader that leads our squad. The USC's defense, um, the USC defense needs to find their squad leader. Someone's going to guide and position the other 10 players on the field to make plays, but also to take charge and make something happen when the rest of the squad isn't reacting to uh, contact properly. I know it's not all Alex Grinch's fault and that the players need to execute. USC will not be a national title contender with our defense. Our offense is national title ready, but our defense is high school ready. Such a disappointment. We haven't, uh, he said, we haven't to live with this. We, we have to live with this loss, he means. Uh, for the rest of the offseason. Thank you, gang, for all you do and being an outlet us for, for us USC fans, Sergeant Strong. Yes, you have to live with it, and it's a terrible taste. I'll tell you, it's always a, a good feeling to win a bowl game and come home and get fitted for the rings and go through all of that and be excited about spring practice and the offseason program. You have to live with this till you play again, and the, 
the sad thing about it, you have to wait so long uh, until you can play another game. And, uh, uh, but that's what it's all about, and they know that going into the game. At least I'm sure they were told that. The difference between, you know, 12 and 2 and 11 and 3 is a lot as far as the record's concerned. And the way you finished, I think, is really important. Uh, did you become a better football team at the end of the year? Now, I mentioned a couple of players that became a better player during the year, and a couple of the other players, I didn't make, mention them all, became better players during the year. And I think that's what you look at. Did we get better? I used to say, in every day and every way, we try to get a little bit better and better. So I think that's what you have to evaluate as a whole. I think Lincoln Riley, as the head football coach, has got to say, what's positive in our program and what's not positive in our program? Where do we need help? We obviously need help because we're not performing the way we should be performing, or maybe we're not doing the right things in recruiting or whatever it is on the defensive side of the football. But I think him, as the head football coach, takes the responsibility of the entire football program, from recruiting to the defense to the off-season programming to the nutrition. Every single thing is his. It's not Alex's defense. It's Lincoln Riley's defense. He's the head football coach. He gets $10 million a year to overlook the same program, overlook every facet of the program and sign off on everything. So it's his responsibility to say, what I need to do and talk to the people or look at the program himself and say, how can we not have this ever happen again? Yeah. We got a text message from Keith in Colorado. He says, wow, four weeks to prepare on defense, all the talk of better tackling and fundamentals. And for what? If Alex Grinch can't get the team to execute, it doesn't matter uh, if he knows what to do. And what happened with the play call in the last five minutes? Keith in Colorado. Yeah, that, that was the thing. The talk was, and you mentioned you don't want to hear his talk, you want to hear action. I honestly believe that they were, you know, this was an issue. They knew it was an issue. They had four weeks to get it ready. They knew exactly what Tulane was going to do. They had a shifty running back that was the player of the year in the uh, American Athletic Conference. They had a quarterback that could run and deliver the ball downfield. And I just felt like they would be more prepared. And I think that team was shocked and I my gut is that Lincoln Riley was shocked coach that they knew that this was a problem and it's like they tried to address it they worked four weeks to address it and I I feel like there was confidence that they had and they didn't and that's maybe the most concerning thing of all coaches when you have if you feel like there's some problem in your life and you're like I know what it is I'm going to work on it and you you go to work and a month later you're like okay I got this I got this and then whatever the problem is, it's even worse than what it was before. That's concerning because you definitely didn't do what you needed to do to fix the problem that you thought. And I feel like Lincoln Riley felt that Alex Grinch was doing what needed to be done to fix the problem, and it wasn't even close. So I, I think it was sort of a shock. Uh, but anyway, get your thoughts on that. Well, I think you have to look at it. It's either the talent you have on the field or it's a coaching or it's a combination of both. It's not hard to figure that out, is it? Uh, if you you look at it, do you have the talent? Are you in the right position? Look at Bullock. How many tackles did he make in the game? I think uh, I didn't hear his name called once. I think he made one tackle in the game. Now, you never saw him in passes, breaking up things. You didn't see it because the way they, they read the, their formation, they kept him out of the game. They're all American center or safety. So, you know, they did a lot of good things as far as the way they coached those kids. They were ready. 
They looked better coached. They were in their positions. They knew what they were doing. Uh, they didn't have any delay of games. I mean, uh, you know, they didn't have a lot of penalties. Either team, neither team had a lot of penalties. And I think that was good, but it's easy to figure it out. It's talent, or it's coaching, or it's a combination of both. Yeah. What else else can it be? Yeah. It's one or the other, or it's all one. So it all adds up to someone evaluating it and saying, it's a combination of coaching and players, or it's all players, or it's all coaching. But that's where it is. It's not hard to figure that out. Yeah. No, that's true. Uh, we got Jack in New Jersey. He's a little emotional. He says, I'm sure you're going to receive a ton of comments about this absolutely ridiculous loss. The team had a great turnaround this season, but this loss was inexcusable and solely due to stupidity. What in God's name was Mario Williams, think, Mario Williams thinking on that last kickoff return? And what was Lincoln Riley thinking when he called two running plays from the one-yard line in shotgun formation when the, the first run almost ended up a safety? Sheer stupidity. And I know Coach Hyde would agree with me. He just might not be as harsh with his criticism. Caleb Williams and all his life's hard work deserved a better outcome than this travesty. Alex Grinch better get players that can tackle or this team is never going to advance much further than it did this year. I am so pissed off at this loss. I can't even think straight. Jack in New Jersey giving a little rant there, Coach. Well, Jack, I think we've already touched on that. We've talked about the plays, and I agree with you 100% on the play calling of that. And I also touched on Mario Williams as far as on the kickoff return. He seemed like he was in space. He looked like he was in space. He didn't even look like he tried to catch the football, really. It looks like he was confused on where he was on the field. If he'd have just let the ball roll out of uh, out of bounds, they'd had the ball at thirty-five yard line, which been a pretty good return. Why'd he even mess with the ball? I mean, I don't understand. I mean, I you know I know they don't have a special teams coach, so you don't know who to point your finger at. But somebody put him in the game, unless they put themselves in the game. I don't know. Does anybody ask that question? I don't know. But uh, that's something I'd like to know myself. Not that he's a great athlete and should be able to return kickoffs, because he can run. But has he been doing it enough to put him in that crucial of a situation? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that he no, they really wasn't doing much there. He was kind of like the number two guy early in the season. Um, and I've been saying this all year on the special team side. Just They're not good at returning kickoffs. Just take a knee. Just let it go into the end zone. You know, if it's going to be on the sideline, just let it go. And uh, they weren't doing that. This is uh, a go over and over the drive for USC. Um, first drive of the, the day, your best drive you already mentioned, kickoff. They downed it. It gets to the 25-yard line. Great, you know, 25-yard, that's where you get the ball. Perfect. Uh, the next kickoff, they try to return it. They don't get to the 25. The next, uh, the next kickoff was uh, downed at the 25. Um, the next one, you're short of the, you're at the 20. The next one, you're at the three. Um, and then you're, then you're at the one, and that with the one that with the safety. And then even for the final kickoff of the game, they get it at the 11. They screw that one up too. The, the only time they got the ball in good field position was on a kickoff was a failed onside kick where they got the ball at the two lane. 47 outside of that they never got the ball past the 25 so not even once for the number of athletes you have on this team to not have one kickoff that goes you know you tried to return a few of them 
and you didn't get past the 25 one time. And not only that, it wasn't like you were at the 24 all the time. You were at the one, you were at the 11, uh, you were at the three. Like that's putting your offense in a really tough uh, position. And, you know, that the one at the three, they scored a touchdown on. But, um, you know, that's just, it's just one of those things, coach. You can't have that. That's just terrible. You, if you're not good at it, just don't try to do it anymore. I, I don't get why they keep trying to return these kickoffs. There's absolutely no upside, and there's only downside. And and I don't know who's talking to them, telling them what to do. They come off the field, and I don't see anybody really. I, I mean, I don't uh, watch it that closely. I don't see anybody, you know, me, I'd have a few things to say about that, you know, as far as either coach or player. When a kid makes a mistake like that, there's someone not communicating with somebody. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous to lose a football game or potentially lose a football game on some mental air and uh, doing those type of things. Then I watch Tulane run their kickoffs back, and if you look at that up and they see the chart on that, they're running it back to the 35, to the 40. They're running it back and getting great field position. I mean, my goodness. I mean, how could there be such a difference in the two teams? Yeah, the last four kickoffs for USC, uh, Tulane started at the 35, 31, 37, and 34. So at the end of the game, that's when it mattered. Uh, The first couple kickoffs, uh, Tulane's at the 25, you know. But, you know, they were pretty consistently around the 25. One was at the 24. They had one bad one at the 9. But then the last four... So, you know, third quarter on, they're starting with great field position, all four drives. I mean, that makes a huge difference. Like, if you fix that, if Tulane's starting at their own 25 or worse on those four kickoffs, you probably win the game. Like, all these things would have happened, but Tulane was getting way better field position. USC was getting way worse field position. And all those things kind of had to happen in a row for USC to lose this game. Um, You're exactly right. Christian and Dallas texted in. Third time was not a charm. I attended all three games in AT&T Stadium. This was the best offensive performance. I enjoyed being able to cheer and get excited throughout the game. But it was equally as devastating to see the defense give up big runs time after time. P.S. It's time to hire a special teams coordinator. <laughs> so thanks, Christian from Dallas. Um, yeah, I kind of agree. I mean, it, USC's had some bad ones, but I feel like you kind of need someone to oversee this. Well, you've got to have somebody that's responsible, okay? Somebody that's responsible for that part of the game. That's one-third of the football game, your special teams, okay? They all, diff- all the different things that can happen. So, uh, you know, if you say you're not going to have one, well, that's he can do that. But obviously, when you talk about the things you just talked about, obviously it makes a difference. And I think that uh, I don't think you need – well, I don't know how many coaches they have, graduate assistant, everything. They probably got 20 coaches. I mean, I, I don't know what they all do, but they have all of them. All you need is a few that know what the responsibilities are, take it serious, get it done, and don't have everybody telling them what to do. I see people on the sideline that aren't even coaches t- talking to the players during the game and talking to them. I don't know what they're doing. And then I see nothing against the guy with the towel. But if anybody needs a shower after the game, that guy gets more time and more running in than anybody on the team. He goes both ways. And he plays special teams. Man, I'll tell you, a lot of distractions on the sideline. 
Yeah, something they could clean up too. Uh, we got a few more. This one's a long one from Mike. Um, kind of a rant. I'll, I'll let you get your thoughts on it, Coach. Hey, Ryan, I was hoping you could discuss this with Coach Hyde. Uh, there's so many topics that can be discussed or debated in the aftermath of the Cotton Bowl game, but I'd like to hear Coach Hyde and or your thoughts on the following. I contend that us losing to Tulane, especially in the matter we lost, is the best possible outcome as this season comes to an end, whereas a victory would have been nice for bragging rights. In the aftermath of the loss, the defensive shortcomings are now fully in the spotlight, and Coach Riley must answer the tough questions and is forced to do a deep dive into fixing our glaring weakness on defense. I'd like for you to discuss uh, what could be done to improve the defense if Coach Grinch is retained another season. We know that the physicality in practice was ramped up this year. We know that Coach Grinch takes full accountability for our shortcomings, and we know that our strength and conditioning program was improved under Benny Wiley. The tape doesn't lie, however, and this unit showed little to no improvement during the course of the season. In spite of the, in spite of the improvements, in quotes, that we made to our staff and our program. Count me in amongst the many fans who believe Coach Grinch should be replaced, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on how this team's defense gets better if a change is not made with the D.C. You know what the talent level needs to improve, but with the impending losses of Thule and Blackman and the influx of younger players, I fear that the defense could actually be worse in 2023 if no significant changes are made to the scheme, defensive coordinator. Fight on from Mike. Well, I think what it is, it's an um, image thing that you have to look at. How does the public look at it? How do the players that you have coming back look at it and confidence in the coaching staff and as far as will it be the same? How recruits look at it? How the portal players look at it? And believe me, you need some players on the defensive side of the football. But as I said earlier, you, you can be a great coach, but without great players, you're not very good. I mean, they had three All Americans on the defensive side of the ball. Like they shouldn't have been this bad. Well, they have they have all these All Americans. I don't know how they have all these All Americans, but they do. <laughs> they have a leading sacker. Okay, but look how many plays he made in the game. He had one sack. Okay, he had one sack, one tackle. Now, if he's such a dominant player in the game, and now you got me going again. Okay, if he's such a dominant player, why isn't his name being called more? Why isn't he put in a position where he can make more plays? Why? Why? These are all the things I'm asking about. Why? Why aren't these All-Americans making plays? Are they really All-Americans? Are they, you know, made All-Americans by the publicity and all the stats and everything you send out? Now, Caleb Williams, he's an All-American. Okay, I call him an All-American. I mean, I, I don't know if Voyage is an All-American. I mean, I didn't study the films. I don't know if these other guys, he didn't play in the game, so really that make a difference. But, I mean, yeah, yeah all, all these All-Americans, uh, uh, you know, all that stuff is who promotes the best, okay? I mean, there's a lot of great players. I saw some All-Americans on Tulane's team, if you want me to tell you the truth. That number zero, I think the defensive lineman just ate up the offensive line of USC. I mean, uh, it was embarrassing. Now, he didn't even have to go to dinner. After the game, he ate during the entire game. So, you know, it's it's the image of now the confidence of the team that you have to deal with. Do you have to make a move? Do you have to make a move? And I don't ever advocate that because I've seen coaches have to do that. To improve your program so you have a fresh start. 
Yeah. Do you? That's that's why they pay him ten million a year, okay? To make tough decisions. They're friends. They've coached together for a long time. Uh, all they talk about is he had the same problem at Oklahoma. I mean, it just keeps coming up. So, as a head coach, do you need to have surgery to fix part of your team? Do you need to do that for morale, recruiting, starting over? That's what you got to decide. And I'm not making that decision. Yeah. All right, we got two more. We'll let you go, Coach. Uh, Sir Eric of Troy. Ryan, I'm just going to say this is as unpopular as it may be. Lincoln Riley's team as a whole was not well-coached or properly prepared in all three phases of the game. Special teams are poor, and the defense is even worse. This falls on Riley and Riley alone. He is the head coach. Don't get me wrong. We've had a miraculous turnaround from the Clay Helton era, from the Clay Helton hell, but facts are still facts. Special teams need a coach, and Grinch needs to go. The honest Oklahoma fans, not just the haters, warned us of this, and now I must say that I agree. Thanks for my two cents. Fight on, Sir Eric of Troy. Just real quick, just I, I get it. Fans are upset. People are mad. We are, we've been very critical. Special teams play was poor. Defense was bad. Um, this was a 4-8 and eight team. And Lincoln Riley came in and not just, I mean, he had to fix a lot of stuff. There was a lot of things that were, that were wrong behind the scenes. And there were a lot of things that were wrong on the field. He completely turned over the roster. And they were one play away from, you know, making a college football playoff, right? I mean, that's, it's crazy to think about it, where they, how far they came in a year. I mean, you you want to be nationally relevant, you won the Heisman Trophy. I mean, that's pretty impressive in year one of Lincoln Riley. Is it a pl- perfect playoff team or whatever? No, they got a lot of stuff, but I'm willing to give Lincoln Riley the benefit of the doubt to say this is, not a, a not a well coached team. Like, I'm not sure what the hell you're looking for, uh, Sir Eric of Troy. Like, they literally were a terribly coached team for years. They were, dre- you know, built burnt to the ground basically. And Lincoln Riley had to come in, pick, you know, build something out of the ashes. And you were instantly nationally relevant. And you won a major award, the biggest award in our sport that we cover, the Heisman Trophy, the biggest individual award. And you got another one. Um, Already at USC, you got a generational quarterback that Lincoln Riley brought in and Caleb Williams. I'm going to give him a chance to say, yep, the defense sucked. We're going to fix it somehow, some way, whatever you want to do. I'm going to let my $10 million guy that took a 4 and a program and made him 11, you know, got 11 wins and let him do what he needs to do for this one. So two, three years down the road, if stuff like this is still happening, I think I could be more critical of, of Lincoln Riley. But at this point, I mean, I'm trying to look big picture here, and what the hell else do you want the guy to do? I mean, it was he did a lot in year one, and uh, you know, I think expectations now are going to be through the roof for year two. And if you want to be critical after year two, that's fine. But I'm just having a hard time looking at this whole season and saying, "Yep, Lincoln Riley's been a problem." Like, no, he's he's been a savior of anything. Um, and the fact that you're even thinking about, well, why aren't we in the national championship game? From a four and eight team, that just shows you. Like, I think you're just putting way too much on, uh, you know, the expectations for what he could do in one year. And I agree with you. I think he did a great job. But again, who do they have to blame for the whole thing? The publicity and the way they started his hiring. 
the way they had their their press conference in the stadium and all the things they talked about of how they're going to change things and do this, do that. They built the expectations up so high that he had to win those many games or people weren't going to be happy. They talked about Caleb Williams and all the other Williams and all these players that are transferring there. Everybody thought, oh, this is easy to do. This is going to be unbelievable, which it was. And people are spoiled because of this. Were they the best team in the Pac-12 at the end of the year? Was Utah the best team at the end of the year? I don't think either one of them were as far as in the Pac-12. Another team that got a new head coach progressed through the year and got better than any team, and that's Washington. They go to their bowl game and they beat Texas. And I, they had what? They ended up 11-2, and two, I think it was. Yeah, they were 11-2. 11 and two. 11. Yeah, 11 and 2. So you look at the long picture. And I'm telling you, Washington is going to be a team you have to deal with now. And so is Oregon, that are going to be both on the schedule next year. And I don't know who they play non conference, but they know, I know they played Notre Dame. But again, you've got to look at the expectations they put on Lincoln Riley with the salary and the $17 million home and the Learjet at his disposal. And all these different things that the sky's the limit. Well, what they did is spoil everybody. So when he won 11 games, that wasn't enough. When they didn't play good enough, that wasn't enough. So a lot of it has to do with the way they approach the entire season. Instead of just letting him come in and maybe win 10 games or 11 games. And, and uh, you know, uh, everybody be happy with it. But that they're not happy because of... Well, the way they started the whole program off when he came to USC. Yeah. One last one. Uh, Dan, class of 1962, said Coach Ryan and I mean Coach Hyde and Ryan. I've seen or heard USC football games since 1948, and this game was probably the worst defensive game I've ever seen. Good high school teams can scheme and tackle better than the USC defense with three All Americans. There are no excuses for the lack of aggressive play. I hate to say this, but Coach Grinch is as bad or worse. Then Todd Orlando in 2021, Coach Riley has a big decision to make. Does he want a top defense to go with his outstanding offense, or does he want to stick with a defensive coordinator who obviously is not equal to the task? Also, who on the coaching staff is giving instructions on special teams plays? The muff kickoff that was going out of bounds was a ridiculous mistake. Coach Riley wasted a magnificent game by Caleb Williams with an inept defense and lack of guidance on special teams. How did this team go from competent from a competent team against Notre Dame and UCLA to the mistake pro mistake pro te- prone team of the last two games. Uh, by the way, I did see how Penn State adjusted defensively to Utah in the second half of the Rose Bowl game. Fight on and win with a new defensive coordinator next year, Dan, class of 62. Well, we'll have to wait and see what happens with uh, Lincoln Riley's uh, decision on what he wanted to do. One way you always make a change if you want to as a head football coach is you get him a better job or you get him into the NFL where you take care of him as far as with his family and so on. He gets a nice job or whatever. Uh, or you, you really feel bad. I'm sure he's on a two-year contract. I'm sure he is because he's one of the coaches they brought. But I'm not saying that's what they should do. That's up to the $10 million man to make a decision on what he needs to do for his football program. And it's his football program. Everybody seems to point the finger at Alex Grinch. Hey, he hired him. 
He brought him. It's not like he didn't know who he was. He was on his staff at or at Oklahoma. So now he's seen exactly what's going on. He's got to make that decision. We can all talk about it, but that doesn't mean anything. We can't make that decision. So what's the best thing for him to do? That's what he has to decide. And whatever he decides, we're going to go with. Why? He signs off on everything. Yeah. All right, Coach. Well, great stuff. Uh, we had a lot of questions to get to. People wanted to get some uh, angst off their chest, and we we're here for them. We're here. We want to uh, be able to help out, be a little therapy session. So thanks for everyone that sent in texts or email questions, all that. We do appreciate it. We'll keep doing the shows uh, throughout the offseason, maybe not every week with uh, Coach Hyde. We'll figure out what we can do. and But keep sending in the questions, and if you have topics that you would like us to discuss – something uh, Coach Hyde could dive deep into, talking about from his coaching background, his coaching experience. We'd love to do all of that. And I just want to thank you, Coach. I hope you had a you know wonderful New Year's, and thanks for another great year doing the show with me. It's been a, it's been a lot of fun. I love it, buddy. I love being on the air with you and all of our listeners out there. We thank you. I want to remind everybody, I do a show on Sunday morning on KLAA. That's AM 830 in the Los Angeles area, and this Sunday at 10 a.m., I'm going to talk about the national championship game, okay? Who's going to win that game and why they're going to win that game and all of that. You might be interested in that uh, as far as my thoughts on the national championship game and who I might think is the top team in the country and why. And all of those, I call it my 12-pack, where I put the number one team in the country as a team I at least want to play this coming week. So if people want to listen to that, Ryan, with Chuck Hayes and myself, I just wanted to get the word out there. Thanks for doing that, Coach, and thanks for another fun year. And thanks, everyone out there in the podcast world for listening to our little show. We hope you enjoyed it and all of our coverage of the 2022 USC Trojan football season. Year one of the Lincoln-Riley era ends with an 11-3 record and uh, kind of try to build some momentum going into year two. But for the coach, I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 